What's going on, guys? I'm your boy, The Flight Mike, here with... <laughs> your boy, Mike Corzemba. <laughs> your boy, Get Like Coop. <laughs> and this is the Laced Up Podcast. <laughs> We're your boys. Yeah, the boys are here. The All right, boys. we are here to talk some NBA, of course, and... I think we just jump right into this, right? Because I think this is the hot rumor that's going around right now. We've been talking about this. We've been talking about what are the Golden State Warriors going to do this offseason? Because I think all three of us agree that we think they're they're in win now mode. Let's keep Steph Curry now mode. And so according to John Hollinger of The Athletic. So here's the exact quote we have. Golden State assured itself of an additional first-round pick when Minnesota failed to land in the top three on the lottery night. The Warriors now have the 7th and 14th pick, plus last year's second overall pick, James Wiseman. And there is widespread expectation that the Warriors will use number 7 and Wiseman in particular to seek more immediate upgrades on their roster. One name to watch, Pascal Siakam. Guys, what are our thoughts on that? Because that is huge. I'll I'll go in I'll jump in last, but I mean I I kind of love that. You love Pascal Siakam to the Warriors. I th- I think it makes I think in terms of out of the names that are being thrown around that are actually available, I think that probably makes the most sense that I've actually heard. So we right now we really think that Pascal Siakam is available for what the Warriors have to offer, or just as available. Period. Because I actually like the Warriors package. Yeah. That so okay, that's I mean, that's a good question. However, you know, if we're being honest, we don't have these inside sources, so we kind of have to go off of guys like John Hollinger who have been doing this for forever. The Athletic is a very reputable source. Um, I love the Athletic. And so, you know, we hear we're hearing one name to watch is Pascal Siakam and he's been popping up I think in trade rumors a bit because the Toronto Raptors are in an interesting place. You know, they have a good draft pick this year, and they also have Pascal Siakam, who, it, like, are you deciding, you know, he's 27 years old. He, you know, him and Fred Van Vliet, they, if the Raptors decide to blow this up, if they decide that they want to, you know, create a potential young team that is, you know, building together and growing together. I think it's very possible that they trade Pasco. I'm kind of shocked that I don't see Andrew Wiggins anywhere in this rumor, because if I'm Andrew Wiggins, you know, and I'm seeing this situation, a part of me is like, you know, uh, is like beating my chest, begging the Warriors to trade me to Toronto. I think that that's like one thing that um, mm, is absolutely. being omitted because you kind of have to in order to make the cap space work with James absolutely, Wiseman. And yeah. So I think it's kind of like the the underrated part of the story that makes this rumor so cool, in my opinion, is the fact that Andrew Wiggins is originally from Toronto. And we've seen players go back to their hometowns. Well, I don't know if Victor Oladipo is from Indiana, but he played, uh, he played for Indiana when um, uh, in college and just absolutely turn their careers around so it'd be cool to see andrew wiggins do something kind of similar maybe he takes that step that he needs like maybe he could be that number one guy for the toronto raptors maybe nick nurse could get what he needs out of him um then but the thing is i don't know if i would part with james wiseman and a number seven pick and andrew wiggins for pascal siakam it seems like a lot to give up at least from where I stand, especially because you don't know what you're getting in James Wiseman yet. A lot of people are hating on James Wiseman because he didn't come out and absolutely dominate, but I don't remember the last time a 19-year-old big man came out and dominated in the NBA. Kevin Garnett averaged like 11 points per game when he was 19 in the NBA. Kobe Bryant didn't isn't a big man, but he didn't dominate until his third year in the NBA. So you don't know what you're getting in James, uh, James Wiseman, and you could be selling on him too soon. So... I think there's they could get a bigger get than Pascal Siakam, in my opinion. All right, so I don't know about that. I don't know if they can get a bigger get. Uh, if you're a Warriors fan, you're hopeful that they can do better than Siakam. But it's easy to forget that a lot of people expected Siakam to take an MVP leap this year. And like you said, they don't know what they're getting with James Wiseman. And that's also part of the problem. If you have Stephen Curry... Do you want do you want to wait a few years and 
find out. We don't know how long it could take Wiseman to finally unlock his potential. After all, this guy came in the league under 20 years old. So it could take three, it could take four, it could take even five years. Yeah, Wiseman could end up being a Hall of Famer. I mean, at the end of the day, you never know. But does Stephen Curry have that type of time? And with Stephen Curry's contract coming up, if you're the Warriors, is that a risk that you want to take? Yeah, yeah. you do make a very you make a very valid point. I'll tell you um, something else I really like about this trade, uh, this potential trade, is Siakam and Draymond kind of have like kind of could play a similar role in the offense in the sense that. They're like they're players that could create in the open floor, despite technically being modern NBA big men. So having them both on the floor at the same time, those fast breaks for the Warriors and the pace that they could potentially run uh, run at would be very, very fun to watch. Um, I personally think call me a delusional Laker fan or call me one of those guys, but I do think they could get someone like a Bradley Beal or if Damian Lillard gets frustrated enough, I think they could pull off a trade for Damian Lillard. So that's my only reservation about this. Um, I would I would put like Pascal Siakam probably on like third or fourth of my wish list after like trying for those other players that I mentioned. Yeah, but all right. So first of all, I love how you did mention Mike. Uh, Maple Jordan. We we are gonna get Maple Jordan potentially back if we get Andrew Wiggins over to Canada. Which, I mean, if anyone doesn't know who's listening, at one point in time, Andrew Wiggins' nickname was literally Maple Jordan, and that exactly did not pan out. But I would love to see it. I mean, end of the day, Andrew Wiggins hasn't really proven to me to be the type of leader that you want your young guys. You know. I don't think he's that kind of guy. He hasn't proven to be. Maybe he'll step up and be one. But I think this trade makes a lot of sense from both perspectives with both timelines. Like Coop said, you know, the Warriors are in win now mode. I'm not risking anything with Steph Curry. In terms of Damian Lillard and Bradley Beal, Bradley Beal, both of those guys, you know, I think are better players than Pascal um i'm interested in the fit with both of those guys especially defensively especially they're both ball dominant guys you know when you get pascal out there remember just like coop said people thought that he was going to take mvp you know he was going to take a leap even if it wasn't mvp he was an all-star in 2020 at the age of 25 to 26 around there now this year he was he's technically what he is 27 if i'm not mistaken why can i not yeah he's 27 age? he's 27 yeah he's, he's 27. 27 he just turned 27 so he'll just <laughs> turn 28 for next year's playoffs okay so when he, pascal was playing with Kawhi leonard which i think is very important here to keep in mind you know the man was great he was just an awesome comp uh you know complimentary player to their superstar you know that team was Kawhi leonard's team the Golden State Warriors are Steph Curry's team, of course, you know, and you've got a veteran leader like Draymond to come in and, you know, help uh, Pascal with his defense, you know, help him out with that. And like Mike previously mentioned, I do like, you know, Pascal and Draymond, they're kind of like interchangeable in a little bit of a way where it's like now you got two guys that they're playing the five and the four at the same time, you know, you're there's you're running like you know very interesting offensive sets you're switching on defense in very versatile way that i like to see the nba you know going like with james wiseman sure is there a potential that he becomes a hall of famer is there a potential that two years from now um we're watching him emerge into what deandre aiden's becoming where it's like okay deandre aiden's been incredible for the suns yes but uh, there's also the same potential, you know, the Cavaliers went and traded, traded away the first overall pick. They traded away Andrew Wiggins when Andrew Wiggins had so much hype and they were able to get Kevin Love, who again was a huge all-star level talent at the time. Didn't exactly pan out fully like they wanted, but ended up winning, you know, championship in Cleveland with Kevin Love. So that's the risk that you take when you trade a high level top prospect. Yeah. Sometimes they're going to pan out and sometimes they're not. However, with Pascal, I think that you have a guy that is able to get you, you know, 20 points, is going to be able to fit in with your system 
I would be really excited about that trade, and I think that would launch the Warriors. As long as they have a healthy Klay Thompson, we're going to see. That's a whole thing. You know, Clay has been posting pictures of, being, of him being healthy. I'm very excited, but both Clay, Warriors front office, they've said, we're going to take our time with Clay. We're waiting for him to be fully, fully healthy, for him to really come back. So if Clay is at least... 80% clay maybe come the playoffs. And yeah, I think they're right back to being championship contenders with that roster. Okay, so Pascal Siakam, without a doubt, makes the Warriors a better team. I'm not going to argue that. You guys said that Siakam and Draymond are interchangeable, but do their skill sets start to overlap a little bit? And that's my concern with the Pascal Siakam fit with the Golden State Warriors. When you're giving up a package like they would be giving up to acquire Siakam, you want somebody that's kind of going to fit in like a puzzle piece. Siakam this past season shot 31% on catch and shoot threes. Obviously, he's going to be a major upgrade for the Warriors. But with this team, I think you want more spacing. But of course, I'm not going to be mad at the Warriors getting more NBA high-level talent guys at the end of the day. Um, that's I a good point. Go well, ahead, I was just saying it's a good point. Um, however, I would like to see... If this season was a little bit of an aberration and we go back more towards his normal shooting numbers where I don't have his catch and shoot numbers right off the top of my um, screen. Or yeah, so last head, season he shot 36% on catch and shoot threes, 34% on pull-ups. Are you talking about 2020 or 2021 now? Uh, 2019 to 2020 he shot. Yeah, so he shot like yeah, a little he shot, bit. So he, he shot, shot like 36. 36. And the yeah, year before that, I think he was around that He shot 38. Yeah, he shot 38 yeah, so the year before. That's what I'm saying. So last year, last year he regressed, which, you know, again, I mean, that could go either way. It, like, does he come back to where he was shooting? I think with the floor spacing that the Warriors provide, I think, you know, he probably still would go get back to that 36 you know, to 38%. I agree with you there, but I feel like sometimes that just adds more pressure for players who are not great shooters. I don't think Pascal Siakam is in the league to be a catch-and-shoot guy. So you know that role can be a little tough for players that weren't necessarily built for that type of role. I agree with that, but my counter to that is I don't think they're looking at him to necessarily be a catch-and-shoot guy like as a primary part of what he's contributing to the team. I think it's more of like you can't leave that guy wide open. Like You have to guard him. Like you, like he will make you pay yeah i don't expect him to be a completely wide open i don't expect him to be a catch and shoot guy either but there's going to be times where that's going to be his role and if he's not knocking those shots down consistently teams are just going to be like hey we got we're gonna let draymond shoot but now we're also letting pascal shoot i think he's good enough off the dribble where he uh is able to you know they swing the ball to him and he could catch an attack and it makes things way more difficult i think it's a different situation than you know if you have a role player in that role where he just literally cannot shoot and they can't attack off the dribble and score with the way pascal is and pascal also does have championship experience where he has succeeded on the biggest level which i do think matters definitely come playoff time if you go back to you know game uh you know six was it right in the nba finals when they closed it out the raptors um, it, Pascal made a few huge plays at the end of that game. Like he, he absolutely was a huge part of them closing out that win. Regardless, you have to also think that those Golden State Warriors championship teams typically featured a traditional center, like a player, uh, like a player like Andrew Bogut, or even, I don't think they won a championship with Zaza as their starting center, but like they, they didn't really ever have a starting center that could stretch the floor if they wanted to. In Pascal, you not only get an uh you not only get a player that you have to respect his jump shot, but you also get a player that could kind of take off take some of the playmaking load off of Draymond Green, another player that you do have to account for while also having to worry about Steph Curry and Klay Thompson running like rampant around screens. So I do think it's like in terms of fit, it's probably the best player the Golden State Warriors can get. Um, and then if you account for his age, Draymond Green is getting up there in age. He's going to be 32. He's going to turn 32 next year. And bear in mind, he shot 27% from three and he shot this past year. And probably the last time he shot 30% from three was the 2017 to 2018 season. So I don't know. Regardless, I think Pascal Siakam would 
make the Golden State Warriors significantly better, if not one of the top three teams in the West. Assuming Klay Thompson comes back like 60% of what he once was. So no doubt Siakam improves the team. And to add to what you said about them not needing a traditional center, of course they don't. They're the Warriors. They were 15-5 and five when Wiseman went out. That's why, you know, we got to look to trade Wiseman. Um, you can you can look that up. The Warriors were 15-5 and five without Wiseman. So they were significantly better. Um, Siakam coming in and being a, a league average player would make them significantly better. I mean, uh, you know, we've seen what this team can do going small. So, you know, obviously I love that for them. But, you know, just again, my thing would be, I think there may be better players like so you're saying you'd like Siakam over Bradley Beal possibly going it, to the Warriors you know it's kind of it's kind of hard because Corzemba makes a very good point in terms of fit and in terms of defense what does that do to the Golden State Warriors it really also depends on what version of Clay Thompson you're going to get back next year I personally probably my boldest hypothesis uh, hypothesis in terms of what could happen to Clay Thompson moving forward is that those injuries catch up to him so much so that he may need to be like a 25 minutes per game type of player. So in that instance, then it does uh, make sense for them to acquire a player like Bradley Beal. But that's a pretty big if. We've never seen a player in Klay Thompson's situation, a player that isn't really necessarily dependent on his athleticism, who primarily makes his living off of being a remarkable shooter that tore his ACL and Achilles. The only thing we've seen close to that is what happened to DeMarcus Cousins. And well, DeMarcus Cousins is a completely different position in the NBA. So it's really hard to say which would make them better because a lot of it is on Klay Thompson's shoulders. Yeah, there's definitely questions yeah. there for sure. And um, yeah, I mean, also with the with the Wizards, we still have to kind of see what they are willing to do. Like, are they willing to trade Bradley Beal? Like, because in that instance, they're you know that means they're also you know completely blown up their roster. They're going for next year's draft. Then they're probably you know look to see if they can move Russ as well. So, I mean, I just think honestly, I just like saw the Siakam thing, and I was just like, wow, that. That makes sense, and I'm kind of surprised that it wasn't talked about more until it got brought up by John Hollinger and the Athletic. Like, I was like, hmm, you know, like the Raptors have the chance. They just won a championship, so their fans, you know, are definitely giving them a little more leeway in terms of like, okay, we're willing to embrace a young team and, you know, build with them. Like, it's not like they're the, I mean, I don't want to th throw shots, but I guess I, I will. Like, Sacramento Kings or Orlando Magic or something like that, where you have like, you know, teams that just have been bad and bad and bad. And, you know, the, the guys are like, you know, your fans are like, okay, I'm sick. Like of th this third rebuild where you're telling me, you know, this guy is finally the savior of our franchise or this guy, you know, Raptors fans, I think are, are happy. And also I think, especially with the way the Raptors played last season, like if I were them, I would be looking to, you know, move on and, you know, and, May, you know, I'd blow it up. That's what I would do because the Raptors, you know, we're talking about Pascal Siakam was supposed to be MVP type player, at least all NBA type. People thought they were taking, he was taking that leap for sure. The Raptors were definitely not expected to miss the playoffs this season. People had them in the playoffs and they underperformed. I mean, this is also a team that's expected to blow it up. You know, like they have a top, yeah. they have the fourth pick in the NBA draft this year. It's like Bro. you're probably going to move on from Kyle Lowry as well. Um, might even potentially maybe even consider trading Fred Van Vliet depending on who they draft. You know, like I think if you can get a good piece for Van Vliet, then you move him. But I think with that situation, you kind of just let it play out. Because let's say you get a guy like Jalen Suggs or, you know, you, you get Jalen Green or some someone like that, you know. Then, you know, Van Vliet maybe plays the veteran role a little. He's not he's not crazy old. I think he's also 27. Yes, he's also 27. He's on a pretty good contract. You know, he's he's making 19.6 million a year next year, 21 the year after, 22 million player option. It's not like he's on a $40 million contract that you can't move. So with that, I would be cautious for if I was the Raptors. I would if I if I got the right deal, then sure. But you know, also like Van Vliet at least gives you a somewhat winning player where your team isn't oh, terrible. I love Van Vliet. I love Van Vliet for one. But also, I want—I just want to say this. This this will be my last take on the topic. If I'm the Warriors with Clay's question marks, 
give me shooting. We've seen what this team can do with shooting. We've seen what teams do in the regular season with shooting the basketball. Um, don't try to complicate things with Siakam. We know what he brings to the table, but, you know, there's going to be an overlap with Draymond. Uh, I would obviously love Steph with another playmaker, but, you know, I think Bradley Beal just being, like, was Bradley Beal the scoring leader this year? Or did he come in second? Uh, whatever he did. It, okay, well, having the uh, the second best score in the NBA statistically, uh, you know, on your team is just uh, a, a massive upgrade for whatever Steph Curry's been playing with. Uh, give Steph Curry more space to create. It'll give Steph Curry more space to do a lot of things. I, I just take Bradley Beal, but you know that's also if Bradley Beal even became yeah. available. I can I, I can for sure agree with you on that. I I think I I would say you know I I would take Bradley Beal if he is available over Siakam. Yeah. However, and then, if you reach out and then if and Bradley Beal is just a no go, they they don't want that package. Then may, then you know you switch it up. And then if Siakam just goes cold from the three point line, like what's his value to the Warriors? You know. I mean, he just, he'd be such an overlap with Draymond Green. I just wouldn't be able. I don't just, see, I, I, I mean, I think we should, you know, jump to a new topic because we haven't talked about this for a while. But yeah, you know, I, I think that like the overlap is a little bit being overplayed here because, you know, you've got guys like, I mean, the Hawks and the, we were watching like the Clippers and stuff. They got a lot of guys that have a lot of similar abilities and like that has worked out to their favor like i think you can make that work out to your favor in a lot but of it's not like it's like two non-shooters that's my thing again and again yeah so that means that you know siakam shooting would be uh definitely called into question a bit but i also think you know when you play with steph curry you're going to be getting way more wide open shots than you've ever gotten in your life probably that's true so to move on to our next topic we have donovan mitchell and Dwayne wade I have this quote from the NBA Central on Twitter from Brian Winhorst that says, I think Dwayne Wade is seriously concerned about Donovan Mitchell's desire to stay in Utah long term. If we look at Utah's 21-22 cap space, there's going to be a lot of roster movement. They're going to be missing a lot of players. Do you guys think that there is a possibility that Donovan Mitchell is looking to go elsewhere long term? Um, here's the thing. I am loving this new trend where <laughs> it's like my favorite new trend, probably where like all these analysts and all these sources are like, okay, you know, we, uh, the next wave of like the old wave of stars are out the door, you know, like you're seeing LeBron James starting to age a little bit more. You're seeing Kevin Durant. He is going to be staying in Brooklyn for the foreseeable future. Oh man, like who can we make rumors about? How about we make rumors about players that can't leave until 2026? Like it doesn't really even, uh, it, it doesn't even matter. Donovan Mitchell is still on his rookie yeah, scale the? contract. You know, like it's, this is a situation. We saw this happen with Luka Doncic as well about a week ago. Two okay. Weeks ago. I, I think there's something there. That's like, you can't say there's nothing there. Like, I'm a Pelicans fan, too. This happened with the Pelicans. I think there's something there with Zion, too. Yeah, yeah, Unfortunately. Uh, you think so? Yeah, I think there's something there, especially with the Lucas situation. That thing's an absolute mess in Dallas. I think Listen, we haven't got the half this, of what's going on. If for any of this to happen, there needs to be basically a guy that's going to be a trailblazer. And not a Portland yes. Trailblazer. Like, a guy that blazes the trail. <laughs> but that's what we've of, been seeing recently. No, that's what I'm saying, though. But it's going to take one guy that's going to step, have to step up and be like, hey, I'm willing to take that player option and just take that and accept uh, – I mean, not that. Take your early contract termination option, whatever it's exactly called, because it goes – you get paid significantly less money. Like, uh, probably one-third, I think, around. So, it will take that guy um, – I'm not saying it's not going to happen. I'm just saying until it happens, like, it's situations like this where it's, it is like, you know, Donovan Mitchell, what, is 24, 20 – yeah, about to turn 25 years old. There's, it makes no sense for the Jazz to move on for him. Who are the Utah Jazz? No, like, yeah, you know? yeah. No, 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 no. The concern isn't about the Jazz wanting to keep him. It's Yeah, but so it's like if him. I'm the Jazz, I'm like, dude, you're signed till 2025. Like, you're not, it's yeah. not even like you're a I don't think two, Mitchell like, is that type of guy either to completely bring down a locker room. But if you go back to just like last season with what happened with Rudy Gobert, that was kind of wild. And yeah. at that time, like we could definitely see the team breaking apart. And then the Jazz are somewhat 
of an I don't want to say like old, but there there were a team with a ton of vets. They don't have a lot of young talent. I'm not sure who's going to want to go to play in Utah. I'm not sure what avenues they have to getting better. And Mitchell has tasted tasted success. He's not going to be somebody that you know strikes me as wanting to settle for less, especially when I he's mean, been I so good so early in his career. I Maybe mean, this also, is a smokescreen, though. Maybe this is like this happens where, you know, Mitchell puts this out or, he, you know, maybe he we don't really know. Maybe he does not like Rudy Gobert. So like there was like he strictly basically said, I don't like this guy at that time. And he since, you know, went back on it. But like, of course, you're going to go back on it publicly to the media because this is your literal teammate. Like You can't you know you got to do what you got to do there. But maybe he doesn't. Maybe he wants to be playing with other people. Maybe he wants a trade to happen. And maybe this is his way of saying like, hey, you know, like I want kind of more of that like front office, like say in the front office, you know, like I want to be able to help that. That's what I'm saying where like, you know, he's like, I'm the face of the franchise. Like I, there's not problems yet, but like, hey, like this, this is getting reported out here just so don't feel too comfortable. I mean, also, another thing is, what is that supposed to mean Dwayne Wade is concerned about Donovan Mitchell staying with the Utah Jazz for the long term? I mean, you're keeping this guy until he's 28 years old, you know, assuming he doesn't opt into his option at the end of the 2025-2026 season, which I'm assuming he won't because the salary cap is going to look significantly different by then. Um, Hopefully. It's just, yeah, it's just... I don't know, like you're keeping uh, uh, Donovan Mitchell just signed a contract extension. It's going to keep him there until he's at least 28. And the Utah Jazz so far have shown me that they're the type of team that, yeah, you're in a smaller market, but you're playing for passionate. You're playing you're playing for passionate fans. And clearly the general manager over there knows what he's doing. If he was able to draft Donovan Mitchell, trade for Mike Conley, put a bunch of shooters around him, find the right I don't know if he was the one that found Quinn Snyder, but the Utah Jazz are beautifully constructed. They made the right moves despite having the small market disadvantage. I so agree. They're a great would, regular season team. I think they're, I mean, I think I, I see what you did there. I think they're, they obviously have some work that needs to be done this year. Primarily the thing that at least was obvious to me is they need to find a versatile big man to make sure that Terrence man doesn't happen again, you know, so they don't have to depend on Rudy Gobert all the time. It's great to have a traditional center, but to be overly dependent on that traditional center is in my opinion, why I think screwed them over. And if they could find some more versatility in their lineups, then I think moving forward, they'll be okay. But to I play the advocate, that's the way their roster is constructed. They built their roster around Rudy Gobert. That's what their defense is designed to do. And it's kind of like if you can exploit that, which is kind of in trouble. I think they need, I think they need, uh, like we talked about last time, I think they need more perimeter defense. I think you can't be having Donovan Mitchell, Mike Conley, Jordan Clarkson. Agreed. Know, these guys on top of having Joe Ingles out there, you know, yeah, your guys are getting burned. You need a guy that you can put on, um, you know, so like a, that's a defensive stopper, basically. Did you see Mitchell's reaction uh, post game to Terrence's man dropping 39 or however many points he dropped? He just kind of has this confused look on his face where he's like, he only missed six shots. He dropped 39. I'm not saying that was like a shot at Gobert, but that was just something funny that I, I really wanted to include. And when we look at the Jazz, um, under contract for next season right now, you know, not counting any options or anything or uh, whatever. They have Rudy Gobert, they have Mitchell, they got Bo, uh, Bojan, they got Ingles, they got Clarkson, Favors, Royce O'Neal, and then kind of a bunch of uh, minimum salary players. So, you know, this offseason, their GM, um, their VP, definitely going to have their work cut out for them. Uh, I'm with you guys, though. It's hard for me to uh, see Mitchell really leaving anytime soon. But at the same time, I really want to agree with uh, Korzimba. Because Korzimba said it's going to take a trailblazer. And I think that trailblazer is going to reap, like, just an unreal reward. So, it took LeBron. How, how, how many years did it take LeBron? Uh, how many years did LeBron spend in Cleveland? 
So, so LeBron spent seven years in Cleveland. Um, if you ask me, he accomplished a lot. But there's no secret he could have accomplished more elsewhere with a, a roster that was better built. Imagine if Luka wants to become the GOAT or Zion, one of these guys wants to be the GOAT. They they leave very early in their contracts. They I, I, I don't know how they do it. They take the player option or, you know, they put their front office in a place where, you know, they really have no choice. And they go to another team and they build one of these big threes, one of these super teams. And they start padding their resume early with some legit hardware. I'm talking rings before they're 26. You know, they could get two or something like that. All of a sudden, these guys are getting propelled even even higher than, you know, what they already are. So, Absolutely. I don't know. I mean, yeah, I mean, I, I agree. Luca is a guy that if I was, you know, a, another young star in the NBA, I'd be looking at him because it's the perfect storm that's going on right now. Front office dysfunction. Uh, you know, doesn't like reports that he doesn't love playing with Chris Porzingis. He's already first team all NBA at the age of, you know, 22. Like he is the, that guy that they're going to be looking at and being like, okay, like Luca, let's see, you know, he, he do took it the at, Clippers to seven healthy. Yeah. Yeah. And look at the Clippers now too. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Clippers healthy. Yeah. Uh, and, um, you know, Luca does that. That's an interesting effect that we will see some craziness happen because if you take that option, then that team, the, your team has to trade you, right? Like you can't just let Luka Doncic walk for getting nothing. And also, you know, that means come trade deadline, Luka probably, you know, again, you don't get put on the max contract. I'm not exactly sure what contract you get put on. I know it's like maybe around one third to, uh, I, I want to look this up by next pod so that I could... But I know it is significantly less. So let's say Luca's making like 18 million or something or 20 million or whatever on whatever contract that he'd be on. Okay. Like that is a tradable contract that could swing that championship right away. Like you go to the trade. Oh, you're right. They're, they're literally going to be like, okay, we need to get value out of Luca. Boom. This team is willing to give up, you know, young assets and young like picks or whatever. Like, let's say it was the Golden State Warriors this year or something like they're like, OK, boom, like here's Wiseman. Like and like if they had a healthy clay, I'm just like, you know, saying like boom, they get Luca. Like I'm saying not exactly that situation, but there very well could be a situation where if Luca took that option where he that season that might not even be the season he the team he ends up staying on it could be a toronto raptors Kawhi situation but that one season he could be moved around the trade deadline or whenever he's allowed to be traded and he could win a championship with that team it makes me uh think about the thing that like the player that i think about the most in this scenario is the the is when Shaq final is when Shaq hit free agency four years into his career, signed with the Los Angeles Lakers. It resulted in a three-peat. He signed with the Lakers four years into his career. He got to play with Phil Jackson in his prime. Obviously, like that happened a little bit later. The Lakers also lucked out and drafted Kobe Bryant. Um, so it's kind of crazy to think about that if the current rules were in play and Shaq was offered like a supermax contract back then, which we all know the Orlando Magic also lowballed him, the NBA would have looked way different back then. Yeah. yeah. That's a that's legit a legacy <laughs> changer for Shaq. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like and, that Co for and sure. Kobe. And Kobe, yeah, you're right. So Kobe could have been playing with like I don't even know. Like he could have been on a team. Shaq could have been on a team. Like if they lowballed Shaq, imagine like if he had to commit to the Magic for another five years. You know, like they wouldn't really be able to put anything around him. Yeah, because you know? Penny it's, got yeah. hurt too. Like back then, that's the thing. Penny would have signed a max contract and then gotten hurt, and now Shaq would have literally been playing on a team that their best, like you know, Penny's injured. And he's just, you know, carrying this Orlando Magic team that doesn't have the talent that it should have had. The, the problem here is it's going to this puts a lot if hypothetically there was a way for a, a player to leave their team after four years. This puts small markets at a tremendous disadvantage, you know, a huge disadvantage. Like you see the Atlanta Hawks, they're in the Eastern Conference Finals right now. That probably would not have happened if Trey, uh, well, no, it would have happened no matter what, because Trey Young is 
literally in his third year yeah. in the NBA, yeah. but well, which is insane. But I like Atlanta's a pretty good city, pretty solid market size too. I can see them getting some guys, but I see what you're trying to say for sure. Yeah, like like you can't. Uh, yeah, like someone like New Orleans, like you know they get a Zion, you you get a Zion type town. It's like what are you playing for at that point? Like you have to. It it makes the situation a lot more difficult because yeah, you have to get Zion suddenly like into a championship contending situation within like three, four years, or he's just like gone to, you know, a huge market that is about to, you know, win a championship with him the very next season. Which I think Zion, I get the example too. I think that's a poor example, but because I, I, I just can't see Zion passing on the money. I'm talking just New Orleans. Like, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. I was just saying, just because Zion's an injury risk, I'd see it more likely happening with like Luca or something mm, like that. Yeah, but yeah. I also, I also see your point. For some players, you know, you got to get that guaranteed money. Uh, word to Nerlens Noel. I'm sorry, my brother. Hopefully, you do great in free agency this year. With that in mind, we also have Ben Simmons, who has popped up as a name for the Golden State Warriors, and. Instead of talking about Ben Simmons to the Warriors, though, you know, we've had we've talked about the Warriors. Let's talk about a team that I don't know if we've really even talked much about on this podcast other than a little bit of Cat and a, lot, a little bit of Anthony Edwards. We have the Minnesota Timberwolves as a possible trade destination for Ben Simmons. And so the trade that I've been seeing thrown around the most is D'Angelo Russell and Malik Beasley for Ben Simmons. Now, what are your guys' thoughts on that? Um, so, very important note here is Ben Simmons and D'Angelo Russell are actually like BFFs. They went to high school together. They played high school ball at Monteverde. Oh yeah, they did. Um, actually, Academy. Right. I just watched their highlights. So it's um, this rumor is actually older than you think. This is like a one-year-old rumor. I heard this last year, and whenever I hear rumors carry over like a whole year, that just makes the rumor that much more legitimate. I wholeheartedly believe that the Minnesota Timberwolves want to trade for Ben Simmons, but I don't think they'd be giving up D'Angelo Russell. I think they'd be making a package around Anthony Edwards instead. Oh, and that's mainly, be mainly because... The reason, uh, the reasoning, because one, there's chemistry between D'Angelo Russell and Cat. There's chemistry between D'Angelo Russell and Ben Simmons. I think Ben Simmons and D'Angelo Russell actually fit really well together in a backcourt, with D'Angelo Russell being able to be a secondary playmaker and Ben Simmons being a primary like ball handler type of player. D'Angelo Russell is a fan is a great combo guard whenever he's placed in the situation to succeed. And you know they all like you know Carl Anthony Towns and D'Lo are already really close. Like Carl Anthony Towns is the reason why D'Angelo Russell is in Minnesota to begin with. So I do buy this rumor. If I'm the Minnesota Timberwolves though, and if I'm the Philadelphia 76ers, I understand that Ben Simmons value is at an all time low right now. This is to trade him for like Malik Beasley and I don't know, like maybe Anthony Edwards and maybe a couple future first round picks. And obviously I need to make the uh, cap space make sense before I put out any potential trades out there. If I'm Daryl Morey, I don't know if I'm uh, so hyped about that offer. Yeah, getting more shooting around, jo um, getting more shooting might be better for the Philadelphia 76ers and opening up their offense and just going fully uh, all in on Joel Embiid's skill set might be the move, but... I just, um, I don't, I don't just, I just don't see Daryl Morey as the type of guy that would sell on Ben Simmons when his uh, stock and his value is at an all-time low. Personally, I think I think you're a little bit underrating. Um, I, I yeah, sure, is Ben Simmons' stock at an all-time low, pro probably among fans, but I think. You know, there have been reports I've been seeing that there are so many front offices that are interested in Ben Simmons. There are so many office, front offices that think they'll they'll be able to, you know, solve the Ben Simmons equation here. And I will agree, though, that if, you know, if it's the Anthony Edwards, you know, Malik Beasley trade package here, then that's not something and Juan to, Hernan to explore. Gomez. However, I think that if it is more of a D'Angelo Russell, you're getting more of an established point guard along with Malik Beasley who had a huge jump up this year. Um, well, not a huge jump up, huge jump up the last two years, but has been very hurt. So 
Malik Beasley, it really depends if he could stay on the court. However, in the 37 games he played this season, he averaged 19.6 points a game and shot 40% from three. So, I mean, he's he's not something, you know, he's not a trade piece to, you know, he's not any kind of throw and he is a legitimate offensive weapon if he could stay on the court with a great contract, you know, makes four, 14.4 million next year, 15.4 the next year after that, and a team option of 16.5 in 2024. So I think a Malik Beasley, D'Angelo Russell trade package is actually pretty, pretty good. But uh, yeah, I don't know. Like, I mean, this is kind of one of those trades where it's like maybe the Timberwolves turned down Beasley and D'Angelo Russell while the Sixers would turn down an Edwards trade with Beasley because they would want a more established player. Yeah, so pretty much where I stand on this is just give me all the Ben Simmons stock you got. You know, if, if you're selling him, I'm buying it. Uh, I'm with uh, I'm with Mike on this one. I'm with both of you guys, honestly. I think his stock is at an all-time low. That being said, that all-time low is pretty great. It's like the floor of an Apple stock or something, right? Uh, so, you know, I, I, I'm really high on Ben Simmons. I think there is a chance that, you know, D'Angelo Russell and Malik Beasley make the 76ers better especially uh if ben simmons doesn't improve it just kind of comes down to are you rolling the dice on you know ben simmons improving or if you're the 76ers or do you want to go for some immediate gratification if you want to go for that gratification maybe there's a chance you could do a little better than d'angelo russell and malik beasley at the same time so here's another thing that makes me buy into this rumor a bit more. The reason why I think the Timberwolves so desperately want to trade for Ben Simmons is Carl Anthony Towns is a free agent at the end of the 2023 to 2024 season. And so far, the Minnesota Timberwolves, I'll give them credit where credit's due. They have tried their absolute best to build a winner around Cat and they just haven't been able to succeed. Like they tried Jimmy Butler and Andrew Wiggins and I guess, I mean, Anthony Bennett. Yeah. Like they try, like, like they try, uh, they try. Now I think what they're trying to do is just bring people in that Carl Anthony towns wants to play with. And honestly, my uh, measuring stick for how well a front office is doing in terms of bringing in talent is usually in comparison to the Cleveland Cavaliers and their first stint with LeBron James, you know, like this is the Minnesota Timberwolves. So you're not going to get a ton of free agents trying to if, go in there. If I'm Minnesota, I'm pressing the reset button after this season. If we don't see any improvement, look, we botched cat is what it is, you know? Um, let's not botch Anthony Edwards too. Well, here's the thing. I don't think it's really their fault for, I don't even it think doesn't they have to badly. Be. It doesn't, it, do, it doesn't have to be. It doesn't have to be. You could say the Pelicans botched Anthony Day, but if they fail after this season, you're not going to say they botched Cat. Well, you also have to bear in mind like this season. No, I'm talking about this upcoming season that, but you know, you can't, you can't be like, oh, well, we didn't have him this, this year or, you know, this happened, you know, at the end of the day, that's. That people aren't aren't going to give you any points for that, unfortunately. It's just the reality of uh of the 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 way things are. I don't know. It's just like I think it's a mixture of the Minnesota Timberwolves really being dealt a very very bad hand with Cat, especially Cat this past year. Like we know what he went through personally with losing his mother to COVID. And then you have it a whole offseason with the number one overall pick coming in. You have a head coach that gets fired in the middle of the season and a that brand new hired. head coach that was, the, yeah, a brand new head coach being hired from the Toronto Raptors in the middle of the season. Like, it was a very tough year. I would like to give the Timberwolves at least two more seasons to figure it out. Maybe some continuity with this core because this team has been injured throughout the entire season. The injuries have been a theme this entire NBA season, and we're going to get to that in a second. If you do that, you're potentially pushing into Anthony Edwards' future. Look, Anthony Edwards looks like the future, you know. Um, they tried in the Cat era, and uh, for me, I think, I think one more season – 
if there's no improvement, and I think that's not even asking for a lot. If they're not, you know, even competing for the playing turn- tournament, um, pack it up. You tried. It wasn't good enough. I don't blame uh, you for saying that because on paper, I thought this was a team that should have been at least in the top six seeds of the West coming into this season. I felt like their team was beautifully constructed from D'Angelo Russell to Cat to Anthony Edwards to even trading for Ricky Rubio and bringing him in. Like, I loved the way the Timberwolves were constructed, and I felt like there was no reason for them not to make it to the top five. So I see where you're coming from in top that five. Sense. Yeah, I don't, I, don't, I don't even know if they would have made the playoffs. Like top five, top six seed in the West. If they would have made the play-in tournament, everybody would have been happy. Let's relax. Mike, I think honestly, I I gotta just you know very much disagree with you on them. I I didn't think the Timberwolves had that much of an expectation going in. People I said mean, I was a- crazy. People said I was crazy for thinking the Suns would be a top three seed in the West. That's last different. Year. That's all right. Well, yeah. yeah I, I mean, I, I appreciate the quick pivot to an opinion that you had that was right. But um, <laughs> if, if we're being honest right now, but um, <laughs> but yeah, that's that's a nutty opinion to have of the Timberwolves. The Timberwolves did, were not that team, dude. Freaking Ricky Rubio was no 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 you know what name teams in the western conference right now that you think the timberwolves would have been better than i, I just want yeah to hear like it. five of them actually I mean, five uh, this of them. is i mean this is i mean this is this is an exercise that i was that i'm going to lose no matter what because like i'm gonna be wrong but i thought well, yeah they would it's be revisionist better than history the por- how, or whatever but yeah no. like i thought they'd be okay. better better than the trailblazers at the very least okay well okay i mean i would agree if if going into the season, I would have agreed. I would have disagreed with you then. But you know, again, like you said, I, you're gonna I lose don't think no they would what. have been better than the Blazers. I you know, again, you're going to lose no matter what because of uh, circumstances. Now, um, I am interested to see. You know, I, I mean, this is this is another trade exactly like Siakam. Where I'm interested because the thing is, you you lose. Ben Simmons' defense, you lose that. That is incredibly valuable for the 76ers. If you can figure Ben Simmons out, I mean, I would love for them to still figure it out. It just feels like, and I'm not sure if this is right, but the way that he got attacked by the fans and the way that, like, he got thrown under the bus, essentially, like, it felt like that was Ben Simmons' last game in Philly. It That's just how it felt. Now, if that's true or not, we will see, you know, Ben just said that he's not going to be playing with Australia this this summer because he's working on his game. AKA, you know, we would ho- what we hope is that he is in the gym. He is getting that jump shot form down. He's at least making his free throws. You know, he needs to just develop, start, you know, develop that, you know, 14, 15 footer. Get that going. We're not asking, I'm not, I've never been asking him to start draining threes right away, but you can't have people, you know, backing up to the literal rim on a pick and roll. Like it makes it impossible. They just immediately double team the big man on him. But, you know, if, if they're selling, if the 76ers are are selling and you can trade D'Angelo Russell and Malik Beasley, and now you're building around a core of Ben Simmons, Carl Anthony Towns, and Anthony Edwards. I think that's something to explore for sure. I mean, I think that's that works out really well. You know, man, you maybe you get more of a playmaking just, point guard in there, but look, I like I like it. I'm kind of hanging on to this topic, but I just don't understand how you can say they didn't botch Carl Anthony Towns. I mean, the Jimmy Butler trade was a massive L. They were so a this is a team. so this is a f me over here. You know, I, I, I give a, I give a whole team. take, and you just go, oh, all right, let's go back to five minutes ago. No, but how could you? But, but Krizimba, am I wrong? Zach Levine. Nah, Ryan nah, they botched. Gone. They botched. What? They okay, botched. here's what Chris they botched. Done. I mean, they, they botched with yeah with bat some bad picks, and uh, they did not believe in Zach Levine for whatever reason, which. Uh, and they believed in Andrew Wiggins over him. And it did, that never fully made sense to me. Whenever I watched Zach Levine play in Minnesota, I always thought that he had the potential of what he's become. I never thought, and from everything I've read, I mean, I'm a Bulls fan. So as soon as we got him, you know, I was all in on learning everything I could. 
This man is like has one of the hardest work ethics in the NBA. Yeah, he tore his ACL or whatever at the point, which maybe had a little bit of concern. But, you know, in the current climate of the NBA, that's much less of a concern. He was always a sniper from three. He was always, you know, he just was in the wrong situation because the Minnesota Timberwolves were, for whatever reason, focusing on Andrew Wiggins, really hoping he turned into a star. Maybe it was because he was their number one pick, the number one pick, not their number one pick, but the number one pick they traded for. And so they were really hoping that he panned out so that they didn't look as bad, you know, for what happened. But like uh, for trading away Kevin Love, who they could have definitely gotten more for at that time, and you know, looking back than Andrew Wiggins. But um you know, Zach Levine, yeah, 100%. They traded him and away. And then, look, I love D'Lo, but you can't lose your pick this year, man. This is one of the deepest drafts in recent memory. Um, I mean, that's just something you can't have. You can't lose the D'Angelo Russell trade. I'm not saying they necessarily lost it, but, I mean, um, you know, so far it, it, it's not looking great. And I like D'Lo. I like D'Lo a lot. But, you know, if they could have just, you know, with everything that happened to Cat. Just, you know, found some way to retain that pick, even if that meant, you know, not making that trade. That would have just been a giant plus in itself. At least you would have had the, tr the pick for trade bait or something, you know, to improve the roster. So I don't know, man. I'm, I'm just I'm just not as high on them as you. Here's bro. the thing that I do agree with you on um, in regards to Ben Simmons. And I think this is something that's commonly overlooked shooting we're starting to see more players that are capable of shooting we're seeing more shooting coaches at least make a dent on uh players around the league scoring is much easier to attain in my opinion than defense defense is actually one of the hardest things to attain in the modern nba so the leap ben simmons took in this season as a defender is something that shouldn't be overlooked either and that's a huge reason why I think the Sixers won't trade him, because I think the foundation for Ben Simmons is there. I just don't know if the motor for him is there. It's like going back to what we said last week. How much does Ben Simmons want to be a great player? Uh, it, it, it's debatable if he's gone this long without actually working on his jump shot. Well, who knows but, that better than anyone? The Sixers. I also They're agree around with him. that. Because I think he does want to be a, a... I don't know about great. I think he does want to be good. I don't think... I think he does want to be a player that contributes at a high level. I don't think you lock in on the level that he did on the defensive side of the basketball and, you know, you, you don't want to win basketball games. So, mm, you know, I, I mean, I, I think on the court, that there sure. is a foundation there. Yeah, but I mean, it's the off-court work that is going to win you a championship here. And also, I would definitely like to point out that, you know, the Philadelphia 76ers aren't walking off the court and having to make a decision at that exact moment hey let's trade ben simmons you know by the time that they trade him they could have seen what he's been doing for the last two months they could know like hey ben's taking this serious now ben's going to come out this season and he's going to be shocking people or they could be like ah you know i mean this all happened to ben and he's he did not react to this in the way that we want and that could be a, a reason why we see a trade and I think if we do see a trade, that's that's a big talking point that I would be making in whatever video I make because you know they again they're again they're they know what he's doing at this point in the offseason to get better. So they know better than anyone else. I agree with you there. I agree with you there. They they should at least know better than anybody else. I'll give you that. But also, I think Ben Simmons is one of those guys that just needed a breaking point. And I think seeing like the whole world finally turn on him out on out him and, you know, make fun of him for, you know, his lack of work ethic or, or whatever. I think that's his breaking point to where he's like, OK, you know, I, I got to prove players Possibly. wrong now. Yeah. Danny Green even po said that Ben is one of those guys. It's kind of a, a harsh quote, but he's like, yeah, Ben's one of those guys that needs to be pushed. And, you know, that's not necessarily something you want. You don't necessarily want players that need to be pushed. But when they're as great as Ben Simmons, if they could get that push and that's what it takes. That's fine. Not everybody is intrinsically motivated. Everybody has different factors that motivate them. And if this is what motivates Ben Simmons, then so be it. True. But also, you know, there's been guys like Nick Anderson in the past who have had horrible screw ups in giant moments. Uh, Nick Anderson famously missed four straight free throws in, I think, game one of the NBA finals. If I'm not mistaken, and he never was the same player again. So there, it, it does go both ways in that too. Well, you know? is Ben Simmons going to forget how to pass, defend, and be athletic? No, I don't think so. So no, but like, but also though, 
the thing is he his free throw shooting this season this uh postseason was not only just like it that was an aberration for him like so that is a thing that can't be overlooked the mental aspect of basketball is huge especially when it comes to free throws he missed so many free throws that he did not want to be fouled he obviously was playing less aggressively than he was in the regular season those are things that we will see you know i'm not saying that he's not going to completely turn around use this as fire use this as fuel to come out and just prove everyone wrong and you know say hey you know i am going to take that next step i'm going to be take that next level and be that championship winning player i'm just saying that there has also been a history of guys where that has gotten into their head and you know it's basically like in baseball you know they call it like the yips you know where suddenly a, a second baseman cannot throw a ball to the first baseman on a routine ground ball just because it's all mental you know it's happened where you know and ben simmons just it just happened to him in a bad way missing all these free throws where i just want to i mean we'll see what happens i don't know if you guys have heard about kyle kuzma you know one of uh i don't know it's kind of like a similar relationship between laker fans and kuzma as it is with sixers fans and simmons although they're nowhere near the same caliber of player Kyle Kuzma has been grabbing a lot of headlines lately for what his plans are for his free agency. He's kind of giving tones that he wants to leave. We discussed this in the podcast previously, but there's this report that came out that LeBron James and Kyle Kuzma don't like each other. The source of this is from the mouth of Colin Coward. So, you know, I don't know. I, I don't personally, I don't know how I feel about him as a source, but it's still a piece of news that I would like to react to with you guys. Um, so I want to open it up with a quote that Kuzma actually said in regards to his future on July of 2020. And then I'll take you through the rest of the story. So this is directly from Kuzma's mouth. Kawhi Leonard was a spur for years, waiting his turn behind Duncan and Ginobili. Then he did his thing. My time is coming. What do you guys think of this? Kyle Kuzma said that. Kyle Kuzma said that. Hmm. Well, I mean, uh, you said nothing wrong with being confident, Coop? Yep. Yeah. Nothing okay. wrong with being confident. Yeah, I agree with that. You know, just like the man is a scorer. He was a bucket, you know, uh, in the summer league. He pre went, proceeded to... You know, keep in mind, like he, Kyle Kuzma came out of nowhere, basically. It was, you know, the Lonzo and Kuzma out show. Like people were like, oh, wow, Kyle Kuzma is so good. And he had a great second season with the Lakers for a second year player. So, you know, like, I mean, that's exactly what I would want to hear from him if he fully believes that he could, you know, go back to that, you know, he's a 20 point per game scorer on the right team. Sure. I mean, I don't. I wouldn't want to hear anything else. Sounds like a good quote. I'm buying all the Kuzma stock too. You're ben buying Simmons Kuzma, Kuzma stock. Come here. Yes, I, I want it all. The reason why I'm saying this is because this is kind of kind of consistent with the report um, from BSO, but this comes from the mouth of Colin Coward, and this is how the report goes. Um, there have been reports that Kuzma doesn't like playing in the shadow of LeBron James. This is a common complaint from young players that have played with LeBron. It is a gift and a curse because Kuzma is far more famous and has a ring because of his association with LeBron and the Lakers. And he got a nice contract extension, mainly because he played with LeBron. Now, um, I'm not going to lie. I think the Lakers robbed Kuzma. I'm going to keep it a buck. Really? Yeah, Wait, I think I, I, Kuzma would have got that extension. How much? I did think he I think, I think someone would have paid him that. I think someone. I think paid I him. thirteen paid million. Him more. Yeah, I think somebody would have paid if him Kyle more. If Kyle Kuzma Easy. was okay, Kyle Kuzma and Mike, I know you've brought this up, and uh, you know, what whatever. Um, I feel like we talk about the Lakers way too much, but you know, whatever. This is a good. We topic. can never topic. talk about the Lakers too much. But regardless, Kyle Kuzma, as a 23-year-old in his second season, averaged 18.7 points, 5.5 rebounds, 2.5 assists, and shot 40 around 46% from the field. Incredibly promising stats for a 23-year-old, and, and he's athletic. He now Six nine athlete. And now he in 2022 and 2023 is going to be making 13 million dollars a year. So that is an absolute robbery of a contract. You are correct. That is an amazing contract. 
for the team. For the team. Not for him. Yeah, yeah, not for Kuzma, bro. <laughs> for some reason, I always thought he was getting paid more. I don't know why. Like, like yeah, if he's if he sticks deal. on a young team or if he gets traded over to uh, New Orleans or whatever, he's Ooh. making 20, 20 mil or something, you know? like Easy. Like, there's no way he gets paid 13 million a year. That's crazy. So here's the direct quote um, in regards to the Kyle Kuz, like in regards to what Colin Coward said on his podcast. And it has to do in the context of a potential Damian Lillard trade, which none of us are sold on. The Lakers think they have a shot at Damian Lillard. That's sort of a Los Angeles delusion. The Lakers have players like KCP, who's a solid player but not what Portland wants. Kyle Kuzma, well, LeBron doesn't get along with him. They'd love to move him. He's kind of expensive. It's not the kind of contract you can't move, but it's not necessarily team-friendly considering he disappears in big spots for the Lakers. Uh, I'm not sure Colin Coward is, I mean, $13 million a year. Like To to act like that's anything but a great contract for Kyle Kuzma is nuts, in my opinion. But... Um, what I also think is important is that this is not the first time Kyle Kuzma and LeBron have been linked to drama, and this is not the first time that they've there has been some kind of um, you know bad feelings toward, between the two of them. Remember who exactly was it? Was it Kyle Kuzma's brother? Trainer, or trainer, trainer, trainer. 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 Yeah, I, trainer I go bro. brother or barber in his trainer. All right. Uh, brother was closer than barber uh but yeah kyle kuzma's trainer yeah came out and you know sent this tweet out here let, let me pull up this exact tweet back in the day kyle kuzma trainer yeah tweet. i have the quote if you want me to read it you got it go ahead uh, all right so he posted this on his instagram story watching Kawhi leonard highlights from yesterday no one wants to speak on how sharp his skill set is compared to lebron's it's clear who's really in the lab and who isn't. Let me hear the excuses. I'm on vacation. I got nothing but time. Then he posts a picture of LeBron and Kawhi saying, turn the film on. Somebody was dodging smoke yesterday and it wasn't Kawhi. That's the thing. It's like, okay, this is my trainer going wild. You know, that he could easily be like, I don't know what he's saying. But what he responded with was call a spade a spade, a.k.a. You know, just calling it like it is. And uh, it gotta was love like indirect. <laughs> like that was in like that had to have. It was at the exact same time. And he said, "Call a spade a spade." It was very strange that uh, with everything you know that happened, that kind of got swept under the rug at the time because you know they went on to win a championship together. Um, but yeah, that just my the point I'm trying to make is I 100% can easily believe that they don't like each other and. I'll buy some Kuzma stock too, you know, like man average almost 19 points a game second year. And we've seen guys like Jordan Clarkson play on the Cavs and seem unplayable and then completely break out with the jazz. You know, it happens for sure with LeBron and young guys. We've seen Especially it. the Lakers guys. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's just way too much here. You know, like then Kuzma goes out in public and says, obviously, I don't feel that way. Everybody knows me and LeBron have a great relationship. And I left it at that. And here's the thing. There's parts of what Colin Coward says that makes sense. You know, there are players that were tired of playing in LeBron James's shadow, primarily like players like Kyrie Irving. I think it was only Kyrie Irving that got tired of playing in LeBron's shadow. And then you have a player like Kyle Kuzma, and in his state, in his case, he has a legitimate reason to not want to play with LeBron anymore. You got your ring, you got tremendous amounts of clout from being a Laker. There's nothing left for you in LA anymore. At this point, it's holding your career back. You need to go to a smaller market and be like one of the top scoring options, or else you're career is going to look completely different this is like the difference between him getting consistent like 15 million dollar contracts in the future or him being relegated to like a role player for the rest of his career if he stays on the los angeles lakers at least in my opinion so i kind of buy some of this although i do agree with you guys and not calling coward i think kyle kuzma's contract is very movable yeah and i mean the guy is like six foot nine He's not a stick in the mud. He's, you know, he's quick. He's athletic. He can move. And I even think he's a solid defender. I thought he improved a lot defensively. Uh, his role has changed a lot over the season. So 
I, I think the Lakers, you know, have asked a lot of Kuzma and, you know, easily going to another situation could be the best thing to happen for his career. I think he's managing his career remarkably. Like, props to the kid. Like, every chess move he's made so far, from making sure Genie Bus likes him to doing whatever it takes to stay on the Lakers during the Anthony Davis rumors, which I know you guys might be thinking, oh, the Pelicans wouldn't have taken Kyle Kuzma. It took some work on his part to stay on the Lakers. Um, to winning a championship, to making sure he blows his social media profiles up. I think he did a great job, and I do think it's time for him to move on. Um, and we want to get paid, that because that's a one yeah. thing. Yeah, he, yeah, he's staying the Lakers. He got his ring. He got he blew his social media up, and he is definitely a household name in the NBA, way more than most players that are averaging twelve points per game for sure. Uh, but you know, now, yeah, like you said, step it up get paid with all that said we did cover a lot this podcast we got a lot of trade rumors a lot of interesting stuff coming up in the nba you know we didn't even talk about the playoffs right now because we're saving that for our nba playoff nba finals preview which is going to be what we cover in our next pod i'm excited just for everything the nba is about to bring we're about to be in the off season baby you know that's the most exciting part for me i love seeing you know all the rumors all the teams making trades all everything so make sure to subscribe, make sure to turn on notifications because not only are we doing that giveaway where we're giving away a PS5 or an Xbox Series X, but the content here is about to be, you know, we're gonna we're gonna have a lot to talk about. Like I am hyped. As you already know, we just talked about a ton of trade rumors, and these trades are actually gonna start happening. We get to actually react to them, which is gonna be awesome. What do you guys think? Closing words? Um, yeah, I uh um, I'm looking forward to the content we have in the future. Really, di- we we really di- dived into some great rumors in this podcast episode and some very, very heavy topics. But I enjoyed having this conversation with you guys. I wanted to give a shout out to Ray Gian, Off the Bench TV, and Brandon Scott, our three laced up gold members. Huge shout out to you guys. Thank you for supporting us. 